You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hello, welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am good, thanks, man. How are you? I'm excited. I'm did hyped. you have a good Christmas? I did have a very good Christmas. A delight, an absolute delight. But the real treat is yet to come. The real gift. Oh. The real gift is yet to come. This is our final show of the year. The Stadios. The glorious awards ceremony, not the inglorious... Inglorious Awards. The least prestigious awards. In the football calendar. In any <laughs> sport slash industry anywhere in the world. <laughs> it's no You're prize money. Him. No prize money. Him. No trophies. No prestige. Just vibes. Yeah. Not even vibes. What was, what was it we said the other day? I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> not leaving. <laughs> um, yes. So here we are. The final show of 2023. What a year. Yeah, unbelievable, really. Very weird year. Feels like every year is weird now. This one especially, though. This yeah, one espe- I don't know. It was just, yeah. It was we're looking over, like, teams and players over the course of the year and watching how fates can be so different in just a matter of months. That was the thing that I sort of took from it. Lots of chaos. Lots of chaos this year. Not always good chaos, you know. I do love a mm. bit of chaotic good, but some of it was not, not good chaos, has to be said. Well, at least we didn't have a winter World Cup. We'd well, winter on this side of the hemisphere. That's true. That's, that's true. what I should have said. <laughs> it's always winter somewhere. All right. So the Stadios, we have eight awards this year. Prop Goodness Joe me. Award and Ballon Drip didn't make it. Prop didn't Joe, it. the only ones we could think of were a little bit, a little bit too serious. So we wanted to leave that one for this year. And uh, yeah, Ballon Drip, it's time to go. It was. So we've got eight awards. Existential moment of the year, the Big Mood Award. The goal of the year, the angry goal of the year, the team of the year, the coach of the year, the player of the year, and the final one, the catfish of the, the year. Catfish. The one that everyone kind of secretly wants to win. The centerpiece. No to publicly admit. Absolutely. I'm the only person who publicly admit they'd love to be the catfish of the year. You know the lifetime achievement award they dish out at, at places like this. You're <laughs> the, the lifetime catfish of the year. Okay. <laughs> You're not catfish of the year, Musa. You're catfish of the century. Catfish of our hearts. <laughs> you were a fellow at the Royal Society catfish. of Catfish. <laughs> <laughs> Stick that on your business card. But anyway, we hope everyone had a lovely Christmas. If you celebrated, happy holiday season to everyone. Might skip the first one in January, but we'll be back early January. But look out for Wrighty's House. It's Wrighty's House. 
has taken a little mini break, but he'll be back tomorrow. Apart from that, I think that's everything. Should we just, we just, let's just get into the awards, huh? Do it. Let's just do it. All right, everyone, let's go. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Kicking us off, the first award of the 2023 Stadios is for existential moment of the year. It's that moment where you're kind of wondering how you got there. (laughs) Record scratch moment. Something that maybe you didn't think too much about at the time, but then in the aftermath you're a bit like, oh, that happened. Um, It can be good, it can be bad, it can be funny, it can be anything. So we have a number of nominees. The first nominee is Antonio Conte's rant about Tottenham following the Southampton game in March 2023. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. I'm going to give you a little summary of that. It was after uh, there was a penalty that he thought shouldn't have been awarded and he used it as a bit of a catalyst to, to get going elsewhere. He said, if we are going to discuss the penalty, it means we don't, we don't want to see the other situations. For the penalty, for me, it was not a penalty. I stop, we close the situation. The worst situation is what is happening on the pitch what has been happening in the last few months, what is happening in my second season. A little bit of a self-own, I'm not going to lie. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's the, that is the right moment to speak because I think that after this performance, for me, this is unacceptable. We are winning 3-1 in control of the game and you are able to concede two goals and risk uh, because also Fraser made an excellent, excellent uh, made a fantastic save in one situation. Blah, blah, blah. Before, he then did a... He went in, didn't he? Before today, I prefer to hide the situation and, try to sp- and to try to speak. To try to improve the spirit, the situation, with the words, with a lot of situations, because about tactical or technical aspects, this is one situation. The most important thing, if you want to become a strong team, if you want to become competitive, if you want to fight to win, is the desire, the fire that you need to have in your eyes, in your heart. And you have to show this in every moment, Musa. Every moment. <laughs> every moment of the podcast. It went on. It went on and on and on and on and on. Um, to maybe previously in the other games, something can change. But here, we're used to it for a long time. The club has the responsibility for the transfer market. Every coach that stayed here has the responsibility. And the players? The players? <laughs> Where are the players? <laughs> it's so Shakespearean when you read it back, isn't it? It's Shakespearean and it's also a man that was asking for the sack. Yep. Let me read this final bit. In my experience, I can tell you that if you want to be competitive, you want to fight, you have to improve this aspect. This aspect, I can tell you, in this moment, is really, really low. 
and I see only 11 players that play for themselves. This was the bit that got me. Conte said, why is this happening? That someone was asked, he was asked why this was happening. He said, why? Because they're used to it here. They're used to it. They don't play for something important, yeah. They don't want to play under pressure. They don't want to play under stress. It is easy this way. Tottenham's story is this. 20 years, there is the owner, and they never won something, but why? And I saw that, and I was like, yeah, this man... Fire me. Not only fire me, but let me feel something. Yeah. I feel nothing. I mean, it's worth remembering that he had a tricky season, and I think it was time for him to look... He went, he, through, to go, he went through a lot. Still. He, had a, he went through a lot. He went through bereavement. He went through a lot of things. And also, the way the man unloaded. Oof. The way the man unloaded was... Yeah, he took it to a different level. So that's definitely a, a moment. That's definitely a moment of an existential moment. Yeah. But it's, it's not a winner. It's not a winner. It's not a winner. We've got, we've got loads of other nominees first. <laughs> got, that was more. only the first nominee. Noel Legrat, president of the French FA, saying that if Zidane wanted the job, he wouldn't pick up the phone. If Zidane called him for the France job, he would not pick mm. up the phone. Wild. Mm. <laughs> Don't think so, Noel. One of the greatest unforced so. errors of all time. The man lost his job. So this is a man that's being investigated for sexual harassment charges. And the comments about Zidane were the things that lost him his job. The response was predictably swift and brutal. Zidane, of course, like all true godfathers, did not reply at all. People that replied were numerous, among them Kylian Mbappe, who basically went on Instagram and said, you don't disrespect a legend. And once Kylian did that, I mean, a social media post from Kylian Mbappe makes or breaks you, which is why Macron was so desperate to get one when things kicked off exactly. in Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Macron knows. Another nomination for existential moment of the year was just Pep getting rid of Cancelo mid-season. It was just, nah. Have we nah. Ever, seen a, ever seen a situation where perhaps a team's, not primary playmaker, certainly like most productive playmaker gets binned mid-season and then the team goes on <laughs> to, to win, win everything. Win the triple. I mean, Wow. <gasps> Uh, a couple of late, uh, well, a late nominee was Nicholas, Jacklin, uh, Nicholas Jackson's celebration against nine men Spurs. <laughs> because that guy went through the whole EAFC repertoire. It was so good. I, was ta- I remember talking to Biro about this and Biro was just howling about how like, it was really like just, it was like button bashing on EFC, EAFC <laughs> for the celebration. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. That's not the winner. It's not the winner because it can be only, one, only one winner. Only one winner. <laughs> Take us there, Ryan. Give us some context. Late drama, Milan Genoa. Mike Menion gets sent off. Money Mike. There's only one man who can step up to the task. <laughs> May not be the hero we want, but it's the hero we needed. <laughs> uh-huh. Olivier Giroud. Going in goal for Milan and saving the game against Genoa is our existential moment of the year, 2023. Because <laughs> nothing in football, genuinely, I don't think anything this year was more perfect than that. It wasn't. It was not more perfect. And I feel like he's been building this moment his entire career. If you think of all the little snapshots he's given us, you know, even last year he was in the stadio, he's talking himself into, was it a red card? Mm-hmm. He, got, he got, got, got a goal and a red card for celebrating. He talked himself into a red card this season. It felt like he was building towards this moment. And then he comes up with this. Injury time against Genoa. 
you know, the injury time since Qatar is like 10 minutes standard now, mm-hmm. actually makes a crucial save. And not only does he make a crucial save, he puts on this jersey. And it wasn't like when Rio Ferdinand went in goal, you know, when other players got sent off. He actually looked like a goalkeeper. Like Olivier Giroud looked like he'd been a goalkeeper. It wasn't like one of those sort of baggy fits. It was like, oh, this actually is, this is a good trim. This is a good, this is a good look for him. So an incredible moment, an incredible experience. Maybe one of the most stadio things ever. And that's a bit self-referential. It was so existential that the Art But Make It Sports account made one. Without us prompting them a- to. Yeah, after yeah. we'd mentioned it, on the, that, there was that freeze frame of Olivier Giroud coming out and like punching the ball. And they made one and tagged us in it. That is how existential it was. That's how it was, exactly. That man got to feel everything. See, <laughs> if, like, if there was a stadio equivalent of the quantum realm, I think we went there <laughs> in that moment, basically. <laughs> and for that reason alone, Olivier Giroud, existential moment of the year. We salute you. We never want you to retire. Absolutely. Arguably one of the most stadio players of all time. If there ever was an award ceremony that we did live, you'd be welcome. You'd be an honoured guest. Oh. Um, Olivier, please. Not sure we could pay your expenses or give you a trophy, but uh, I'm sure. We I could know if someone. there wasn't already an award ceremony called the Olivier's, I think we'd probably yeah. set them up. <laughs> so yeah, that was the uh, that's the first. Oh my God, the first award of a. I know we've been going long. A thrill packed. Sorry, I went long on that. We had to. Listen, the next award is for the big mood of the year. This is for. This is for. This is the space for those moments in football where you go. That really is. That's the peak of whatever that is. So if it's peak euphoria, a peak despair, but it epitomizes. There's something celebratory about it though. There's something celebratory and unrestrained about it. So this is, I suppose, a more euphoric award than the previous one, which could be either. Big mood of the year nominees are as follows. Jude Bellingham's goal celebration for Real Madrid. Are you not entertained? Which absolutely is rent-free in all our heads. Opponents. It's just become a thing. And, yeah, it's just become it's a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like... It's launched a thousand memes, a million, well, countless memes. Next up is Sam Allardyce taking the Leeds job and immediately saying that he was certainly as good a coach as Pep Guardiola. <laughs> Which, frankly, I find delightful. Pep found it delightful too, going, no, he's right, he's right. And then only a, only a few months later, the mask slips because Pep has asked who he'd most like to play golf a round of golf with. And one of his first answers is Sam Allardyce, <laughs> old school English coach, no tactics, just vibes. So <laughs> Pep not being entirely honest there. Next nominee, Kevin Behrens scoring a hat-trick for Union Berlin on the first day of the Bundesliga season against Mites, then going home on his bike. The mood of all moods. I mean... <laughs> it's, like, it's like when Lotta was on that time and she said that she cycled to the Emirates, you know, before a game and like didn't even take a lock. I love you know it. So, it's just... So good. So good. So good. Um, next up, Robert Taylor, the fullback Robert Taylor. <sighs> I love this. Waiting for Messi to give him a bear hug after an Inter Miami goal. <laughs> <laughs> that, that right there, the moment, the moment Robert Taylor, Inter Miami has scored, Robert Taylor's waiting on his knees and Messi is running over about to and leap he can't into wait his temper. That is yep. absolutely delightful. I but, don't think a single person has been happier this year than Robert Taylor in that specific moment. I think that's absolutely right. If you think of the context of the I everything. Think, I genuinely think it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Messi, Messi goes there and all of a sudden, you know, good footballers start playing like elite concert pianists. <laughs> the moment Messi arrived, it was unbelievable. I don't think I've ever seen a team 
transformed as quickly as Inter Miami were, mm. just in terms of the speed, the quality of the passing, all of it. Loved that. Um, the penultimate nominee, and not the winner, and that's saying something because it's an incredible phenomenon. I want to leave the, I want to leave Ryan to announce the winner because you've got a better accent than I have. Um, what? Frankly, <laughs> quite frankly, Mary Earps <laughs> penalty save from Jenny Hermoso in the Women's World Cup final. Oh, a spectacular moment. Just, just the one of the most relatable human reactions to anything because I think that literally everyone watching on TV had that exact same reaction. They were up being like, "Oh, there." Get that out of here. Get that out. <laughs> yes, Mary. Oh. Half expect her to take a scalpel from her glove and burst the ball. That's the real, that is <laughs> the real trophy. Yeah. That was the real trophy. It's incredible. It's incredible. Maybe yeah. the real cup wasn't the World Cup, but it was the Mary Earps, the Mary Earps tirade that we, that we heard along the way. Just uh, that England side, every major tournament, it just has an unbelievable meme. You know, had the the Jill Scott last year. They're like, "Fuck off, you fucking prick!" <laughs> unbelievable. But talking talking of unbelievable memes, this next one. So we we mentioned the Chelsea Spurs game before, <laughs> and you know the fact that Spurs went down to nine men. At the yeah. post match interview, you know, you expect to kind of, oh yeah, like we let it get away from us. You know, maybe we should have shut up shop, you know, and we let went out to like nine men. <laughs> Ange Postecoglou come out with an all-timer in the press conference. <laughs> Not even in the press conference, in the post-match interview the po- the po- Sky, the po- wasn't the post- it? Yeah, the post-match. And the post-match. he's just like, he hadn't even had time to think about it. And he's just, yeah, you know, he's talking about the game. It's like, it's fine. Uh, he, he does his like VAR bit where he's just like, you know, we need to let referees give him a, cut him a bit of slack. And then I think it's Patrick Davidson at the end who says something like, you know, will you ever kind of change that? And he's just like, nah, that's just who we are, mate. <laughs> and the, the line of all lines. The line of all lines. Do you know what? I'm just going to leave it to Ange to say it. Oh, please. Even better. Even better. Mr. Ange Postacoglu. Take it home. Please take it away. Your big mood for 2023 of this year's Stadios. Here we go. But that doesn't change. It doesn't get compromised at 10, 10 or 9 men. Obviously not. We'll go down to 5 men, mate. We'll have a crack. <laughs> Can I just say, uh, the reason that's the big mood of the year, not only for football, but for all things, the, the level of confidence is almost romantic, actually. Mm. Yeah, we're down. We're broken. It's ridiculous. We're outmanned. We're outgunned. We'll do it again. <laughs> we'll do it yeah. again. <laughs> it's like you know it's very Monty Python-esque it is it's only, it's only a flesh wound yeah we lose <laughs> yeah <laughs> honestly genuinely incredible the thing about that moment was I think that that started to be a little bit of like oh, oh I don't know about this guy is it just because he says mate in press conferences and it's I think it's actually split the split the crowd that moment which is why it was such a mood because I think even after that episode we were talking about on Stadio and I was just like I was ready to go I was like Ange anything you need I'll do it listen I'll do it again and I'll, I'll do it again I'll have a crack there's very few spheres in life where I'll celebrate absolutely rational confidence but I think that down to nine men <laughs> the two minutes to go is one of them absolutely I loved That's, it it's incredible I absolutely it's incredible. loved it Congratulations, Ange. I'm sure you will be very thrilled to have this award. 
Uh, moving on to can you one imagine of my someone, favorite. Can you imagine someone asking Ange in a press conference, oh, you want to study for this? He goes, don't really care, mate. Can you imagine how crushing- you know what? He's probably the He's probably the only manager in the Premier League that would actually pretend to be honoured. You know, that's Honestly. true. That's true, actually. He's the only that's one. That's true, actually, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Goal of the year. So many delightful nominees. So many didn't make the list. But the ones that did, my goodness. This list could have legitimately been about 150 long. It could have been. We had to narrow this down. Ah, a long, long, long list. Let's just go through them. Florian Wirtz, Bayer Leverkusen against Freiburg. Oh my God. Ice dancing dance, feet. Ice dancing. The thing that's amazing about this goal is that it shouldn't have, it shouldn't have actually gone on that long. Because he doesn't travel. He's that's not travelling. He's not. He, he's 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 in the box. There is not a lot of space. How does Florian Wirtz manage to hold onto the ball for that long? I don't understand it. You know, it's funny. You know, like all this, this American rappers called like the baby, little baby, and little whatever. I think he'd be called mm. Lil Baggio. He's now on. <laughs> From now on, I'm going to call him Lil Baggio for the next couple of years. For those who haven't seen this goal, I mean, these these are all excuses to jump straight onto yeah. YouTube if you haven't already. But this goal, every great young player like announces themselves at the moment like this right and this is the first time I think I saw a Florin Bits goal go international mm. saw a lot of Bundesliga goals but this is the one goal it's the first goal where I was like I had mates from different countries going oh my god you need to check this people out talk about, people talk about this kid from Leverkusen all of a sudden to me who were just like hey, I so, like it was a, a Man United fan friend of mine just went I think we should go after Florian Wirtz. Like casually dropped in. I was just like, go away. Listen, go away. Blocked, (laughs) blocked. (laughs) The great thing about this goal, apart from the brilliance of it, the dribbling in the box and the finish, is the Chabi Alonso reaction. Mm. He's like, yep, yep, yep. That's my boy. That's my boy. Love this goal. Next up, I got to, let's mention this again. Victor Osimhen. The juggling and finish against Roma from early this year. An absolute delight because there's the funny thing about this goal was, right? Social media chat on uh, around this time, there was still talk about his technique, actually. Mm-hmm. There was still talk. There was, and it was so funny because the two occasions when there was a real conversation about, ah, oh, like, what's his footwork like? Is he just pace? Is he just power? You know, typical stereotype conversations. He comes up with absolute masterpieces. 
There's one that he gets in the counterattack, which is glorious. And there's this one, which is basically like three touches, one to control, one to steer the it away. chest as well. And then one to rip it across the keeper to the corner. And after that, there were no more conversations about Big Vic's technique. Nope. None at all. No, <laughs> there wasn't. <laughs> also, the thing I love about it is Kravitz Skelly is reacting because it's his assist. Yes. And he just kind of like, he does this weird, uh, like he's kind of hugging him from the side, but behind. And he's just almost like slapping him on the back, but it's a pat. It's just a kind of like, fuck yeah, Victor. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> what a fucking goal. Like, oh, I love that goal. Can I say everyone that was in Naples for that whole Scudetto run, it must've been delight. I can't imagine what it must've been like to live in the, in the city while that was all going on. Mm. Must've been going off. So yeah, big Vic up there, but number three on the list of nominees, take us away, Ryan. Oh my God. Linda Caicedo uh, for Colombia against Germany. Just in the World Cup, nil-nil, big knockout tie. About an hour and, uh, gone. About an hour yeah, gone. Yeah. Pretty tight game. Colombia causing Germany all kinds of problems. Ball breaks out to the left and Linda Caicedo does this little, she's got two defenders on her, sends one one way, both of them the other way, gets through the pair of them and then just bends it in the far corner. Top right. And it's just it's the thing is there is so I've got the goal in front of me now right at the point of that she shoots she has one two three four five Germany players closer than any other Colombian player around her it's unreal it is unreal it's very much fine I'll do it myself type energy unreal listen sometimes when you get when you need shake doing go do it yourself go do your damn self You've got to do it yourself. Yeah, Kai Seder with an absolute banger there. A delight. Uh, I'm just going to throw this one in as well because we threw, I snuck this one in late. It was Nuno Santos's Rabona into the top corner against Boa Vista from the edge of the box for Sporting. Just because it was just like, okay, what, that was just What the hell have I just sick. seen? Yeah. Yeah. That was just, you know, like sometimes I'm, I'm a bit like, oh, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Do we need that? Do we need that? But actually it was like, no, no, no. He, they needed that. Absolutely. It absolutely was needed. <laughs> Something else absolutely needed. Federico Di Marco into Milan against Frosinone. And the reason I love this goal isn't just, and I think I said this in the podcast maybe earlier this year, it's not just that it was a spectacular strike. We'll get into the description in a second. It's like, it was almost the culmination of the art of the attacking mm. left back, wing back. Everything he'd done till that point, you know, he had a brilliant run to the Champions League final last year, Inter been great this year. But it was almost like his signature moment because very often, mm players in the position don't get their stand-up moment. And this was really one for the ages. So he's tearing forward as he does time and again. And not only does he tear forward, he has a spectacular left foot. Looks up, <laughs> looks up from about 50 yards out, 50, 60, and then launches it. Like, I think launching is the word for it. Launches it though. Think, do you know what I think he did? What's that? I think he absolutely fucking sent it. He did. He sent it. He absolutely sent it. But with the accuracy of a man trying to throw a javelin down an exhaust pipe. Mm. That is the level. The, the man was aiming at a small, a tiny gap. From, from, from that far out to launch, from that far out, that's effectively what you're, you're aiming at. The tip of a javelin at an exhaust pipe, and it goes right down the gullet. It is it's it's, incredible. It's so epic. It's so I mean, epic. it's com- completely... Um... Uh, just off the top of my head, and I don't think there is anything to back this up, but this film, 2023 felt like a good year for uh, counter-attack long ranges. Oh, I love that. Do you know what I mean? Like, where actually 
you didn't need to shoot from there, but people did. And uh, they just, because they, they were just like, I don't need to. I think I, I love about I it as well. To, I, don't you, need to, I don't need to take this any further. When you see long range goals, often it's like the player is like, he slows down or she slows down before kind of launching it. They look up, keep us their line. But this was so thrilling because he was already at an abs, he was tearing. So it's even more epic. It's the Fast and the Furious. Yeah. The only person I can remember actually, it's a similar position. So, and I think it's worth mentioning the same breath. There's a game um, when Nigeria beat Brazil in the Olympic semifinals in 1996. And they're in the golden goal period. It was, so it's 4-3 yeah. they beat them in the, in the golden goal. And so what's happening is because no one's quite sure how to play the golden goal, players are running forward, getting to the edge of the box on the counter-attack full speed, then cracking it, like launching from distance, then running back on defence. And it reminded me of that, kind of Roberto Carlos on the counter-attack, ripping from distance, then, then tearing back. And it was like this, same thing. Closest thing you'll see in football to a one-man bank heist. Loved it. But that's not goal you know, of the like, season. Uh, that's not goal of the season. Still not a winner. No, it's not. It's not, it's not, it's not, even, it's not even all of the... Uh, all the nominees. All yeah. of the nominees. Uh, Julio and Ciso for Brighton against Man City last <laughs> oh season. Oh my goodness. Because this was like a, a billion pass move that ended up with an absolute banger from way downtown. <laughs> uh, it was from... It was from so far away. It was from, it was like, it was, it was, he, he hit that from Little Hampton, Musa. That's where he hit it from. It was so far away. From Hayward's Heath. Hit it from Hayward's Heath. <laughs> he hit it from Hayward's Heath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was waiting for a train at Hayden's Heath and then the sh- never showed up. It's a shout to the Southern Railways. It is a, st- <laughs> it's a stunning strike to, and see so with an absolute oh, scorcher from distance. And so good. The ball not only, not only traveling that speed, but moving through about mm. three different dimensions while doing so, well, five different dimensions while doing so. Next up, similarly, um, ecstatic strike from distance, Jude Bellingham, Real Madrid against Barcelona. We just had to mention this. I think not just because of the form he's been in, but to do this in your first Classico. In a game that he actually really wasn't playing very well in as well. Really That's not. No, no, he was being trapped. Yeah. He's being locked down no. pretty well. Not one of his best games for Real Madrid so far at all. And the fact that he still pulls out two goals to win the Clasico is just... Including this one. And actually, how demoralising is this? When you've covered Bellingham actually pretty well the entire game, mm. like, oh, he's the hype man, he's not doing anything. And then he just releases one, he just unleashes one of these on you. I mean, goodness. So uh, I'd like to throw in a random shout. Just, I'd like to throw in a shout for potentially like nine Rachel Daly goals this year. Oh, the late but, winner? But, could, but just couldn't couldn't narrow it down enough to uh i mean rachel daly could have been in the big mood uh nominations for winning the wsl golden boot and then going to the world cup as a left back unreal unreal yeah (laughs) you're a player who can do both love that um next up behind jude pablo sarabia this is a relatively recent entry but i think it has Mm. to be mentioned pablo sarabia walls against spurs so the first goal of the comeback ball comes into him inside left position, takes the ball perfectly on the right foot, the first touch, and then rips mm. the volley home. And it's just, it's unreal. Like when I, when I saw the goal, because I watched it back, I wasn't watching the game live. And I was like, why is everyone not losing their absolute minds over this? This is absolutely incredible. And my only conclusion can be, it's so good. It's almost like a car that is so fast, the speed camera is like, I don't believe it. I don't mm. believe that car was traveling at that speed. Um, I can't process it. It's the only thing I can believe, actually. 
you know, there are some goals or some moves in basketball. We got to watch them three or four times again to work out what happened. This is one of them, mm. actually. So yeah, Pablo Sarabia definitely in there. The shout. A uh, couple of other shouts: Garnacho, Alejandro Garnacho against Everton. Just for that, I mean, just that unbelievable be. overhead kick. And you and I have joked about this a little bit, and it's it is very much in you know in in uh, what's the word in good good spirits is that since then he's very much been moving like someone who's you know had a bit of a taste and he's he's like mm, well because quite I think fancy, quite fancy another one of these because you could argue it's on the podium of great volleys scored by Manchester United players I mean Mark Hughes actually has probably got like all three of those but yeah. in terms of podium finishes in terms of elite volleys it's up there with Robin Van Persie against Aston Villa it's up there with Wayne Rooney against Newcastle Mark Hughes against Man City, well, the 5 1 loss actually at um, Main Road. It's up there with the very finest. So, yeah, that's a stunning, stunning volley from Garnacho. Um, the one I want to mention after that is Bunny Shaw's goal back in March for Manchester City against Brighton. Mm. An unbelievable passing move, finished up with a reverse pass from, from the heavens from Yui Hasegawa. A magical, magical reverse pass, one of the best. It takes out, it's unbelievable. She crosses over to the, uh, Chloe Kelly, wide right, helps in the build-up, gets to Hasegawa, who's in the inside left position, and is going across goal towards the left touchline and then hits a reverse pass across goal that basically takes out, I think, four Brighton players. And it mm-hmm. comes to Bunny Shaw for the tap-in. It's one of the passes of the season, certainly one of the goals of the season. So yeah, but that, that's not even the winner. What is the winner, Ryan? What is no, you're, re- you're doing the winner, man. Oh my so goodness, you. thank you. Thank you. Yep. Oh. Rolls up my non-existent sleeves. Can let you do this. Rolls up this my is, non-existent is... sleeves. Can I say, okay, okay, so imagine a footballer who's played his entire professional career outside the town where he was born and returns to final gesture, not a final gesture, but to fulfill a long-held promise, goes and has an illustrious career at different clubs, travels the world, earns good money, wins a few titles here and there, and finally returns to his home country to play for his hometown club the quest of winning in the title. Not only is that his quest, he's not even a striker. And on the final day in the season, against a title contender, when his team's in contention, ball falls to him in injury time on the edge of the box. And he unleashes a strike of such spectacular quality that the goal itself would be a contender, I think, for goal of the year, just because the strike is so clean. But the timing and the context, Toby Alderweireld for Royal Antwerp against Genk crashing a ball the top left-hand corner with his right foot after a wonderful layoff, bringing them their first title since 1957. It's an unbelievable, like the moment, I get the, the chills I got when I watched this video. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that is, you know, that's the, that's the kind of goosebumps moment. It's a cliche, but quite honestly, if you saw the journey that guy had been on, it's biblical, it's romantic, it's... Shakespearean it's all the rest of those things hero's journey whatever you want to call it but that goal the timing the execution is otherworldly and for me when I was looking through the list of like goals this season I thought yeah look there's some great strikes but in terms of a goal of that quality it's rare that a goal of that quality has ever meant more I think Mm -hmm. to the scorer or to the fans so yeah Toby Alderweireld unbelievable you can tell like some goals are just so overwhelming that the player who scores them doesn't really know what to do Right. And this was one of those moments because everyone was just running everywhere. Yeah. 
Lost their minds. Lost right. their minds. Completely. Yeah. And the gank coach, he just cuts the gank coach, he's just got his hands on his head like, oh, what the hell? What like, the hell? hell? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Um, just amazing. Just an amazing moment. Amazing moment. Love it. Congrats, Toby. Yes, you are the winner. You are the winner. Much like Royal Antwerp were the winners the moment you scored that goal. Love that so much. Let's move on to the next category, which is Angry Goal of the Year. Yes. Um, we struggled remembering a lot of these angry goals. I think next year what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to put out and ask for suggestions to remind us so we can filter through them a little bit more because you're, we're getting old, Musa. Yours, yours and my memory is uh, <laughs> it's fading. The first nominee, and to be honest, just for vibes, could have won it. Yes, could have. Because the goal itself wasn't very good and I think that's what made it even better. Uh, was Wilfred Zaha for Galatasaray against Manchester United this bouncing ball into the edge of the box as he's running towards the box. Jocelyn with Diogo Dallo, right? I think it was Dallo. In a, and, bit, uh, a, a real sort of wrestle. And a real like, I am getting this ball. Absolutely. Absolutely a wrestling match. Yeah. And then this scuffed finish that loops up over Onana and goes in and just it's just almost like the wind had carried it all the way into the goal, yeah. you know, from, from wherever. And just the reaction afterwards, just to turn around and kind of just run with his arms out. And cupping, like, then cupping, the telltale oh, sign, God. the sign that this was a furious goal because he said afterwards, oh, do I look bothered? He, he was talking about like the build up to the game and playing against United, his old club, where things had not gone well at all on David Moyes. It's always, do I look bothered? Do I look bothered? Absolutely, he was bothered because his hands are cut behind his ears to Old Trafford and basically like, what do you fans think of that? An absolutely furious reaction. And to me, one of the front runners for this award, not the winner, but certainly a front runner no. for the award. No. I want to throw in a random one that I've just thought of actually. And Please it's Ollie Watkins' goal against Brentford because of the point and the, and the fact that he, uh, what had he gone just previously. goes, yeah. Woo! It's <laughs> like Ric Flair's it in front of, <laughs> which I just thought was uh, amazing. But Love Richarlison it. for Spurs against Liverpool, his first Premier League goal for Spurs. This was a big favourite of yours. Yes, it was because Spurs. Okay, so this was um, from last season, and Spurs had gone three 0 down at Anfield late, late in this. This is late in the season. And Richarlison hadn't scored in the Premier League yet. And Richarlison, as all Liverpool fans know, has never been short an opportunity to goad Liverpool in a grim moment for them. Mm. So obviously not a fan favourite um, at Anfield. Or, well, maybe a, maybe a villain favourite, maybe a, a favourite supervillain. So, so um, Liverpool are 3-0 up and Spurs bring it back to 3-3 with a goal from close range from Richarlison, then runs over to the away support, tears off his shirt and screams absolute bedlam total scenes I think a Spurs fan ends up on the pitch and the students have to help him back on he's kind of out of it Richarlison goes back absolutely delirious with joy only a few minutes later for Liverpool to score the winner through Diogo Jota which makes this the only angry goal which became even angrier after the score is after scored. the fact after yeah. the fact yeah so in most other years that would have won the title but there's still a couple more to go uh, next up is Ilkay Gundogan scoring within a minute scoring a gorgeous volley uh, against Manchester United in the FA Cup final in his final, mm. yeah, his final season for Manchester City. And the thing about this is interesting was you don't normally see him that animated. No, and it was so early, it was almost There's just like... Need, there was so much not, it was needle. Like, yeah. Felt like a real, like, we are not mucking around. Yeah, this was mask off. This is big mask like, off for Gundogan. I'm gone in the summer. 
were doing this. And to claim yeah. an element of the treble against their local rivals must have felt mm. really special, especially, yeah, yeah. Um, Raheem Sterling against Dortmund. Because Raheem Sterling had been going through a bit of a, bit of a tough, tough run, I think. Right. By memory. And um, this was a good tie. It was set up quite nice. And, and I think Chelsea had had that goal disallowed from Harvard's off the bar at Stamford Bridge before, not long before this. And basically there's one, I think Raheem Sterling maybe hit the woodwork as well. I can't remember. But there's, I remember him just being like kind of up against it a little bit. And then the ball comes in. And he actually has a swing and a miss. Mm. Uh, almost like a miss kick. And then as it bounces again, he's just a bit like, F this, and just smashes it. <laughs> like, and the celebration afterwards was was also, it also added to the it was as if It was as if between the miss kick and the second strike, he heard every single voice in slow motion going, you'd miss it that. Yeah. He did what Loki did. All of a sudden, he just like, he slowed time down. He just went, and he went and looked at all the headlines. All the haters, all the, all the memes, all the, memes all the DMs, about. all of it. All of it, all, all of the hate, everything, just thought, no. Love no. it. Love that for him. Me too. In a very similar vein, um, penultimate, penultimate name, but not the winner, it's Rymel. Rymel, give us because you've got that award-winning voice. Oh, thanks very much. Penultimate I mean, we nominee. Don't, we haven't. Penultimate, <laughs> we haven't. <laughs> we don't. Penultimate nominee. This is from a player who, playing for Matildas, in a home nation, hosting the World Cup out for the first couple of games of the tournament and anticipation of a nation building, Sam Kerr bursting onto the scene and making up for lost time. What was that thing? The description of the Van Persie volley against Charlton. I can't remember who wrote it, but the energy of a man arriving late for work mm. and Sam Kerr arriving in this game, well, not arriving in this game, but, but announcing herself with this goal, someone very much making up for lost time. And this goal, the thing that's spectacular about it is not just that she goes alone, not just that you see the conscious moment in which she chooses, I'm doing this myself, but the fact that she ends up taking on two of the greatest defensive titans that a major football nation has produced. Millie Bright is right there and Mary Epps is right there and they're outnumbered. It's very rare in world football, you see one player go up against four people mm. and you feel sorry for the four people. Yeah. Because the way that Sam Kerr was moving at that point I can only say it was as much a mismatch as one meteor and four dinosaurs. Like in terms of the, the force she was moving with, and you know, Millie Bright was brilliant in that tournament, Mary Epps was brilliant, but there was something about Sam Kerr. Sam Kerr hit that ball with the force of destiny, I think. That was the force of destiny. And that strike was, there'll be a lot of talk about, oh, could I done this, could I that? No, you're not saving those. I don't think any goalkeeper or any defender is saving that. I don't think anyone's putting their face in front of that. I don't think any goalkeeper's getting their wrist in front of that. I think it was just, it was meant to be. It was like Battis Thuta at the New Camp or, screw it. It was like Elton John in Hyde Park. Like you, oh. it is what it is. You're not stopping that. It's a force of nature. So yeah, Sam Kerr, angriest goal. Angry as well, angriest goal I've seen in a while, but not, but not the angriest actually, not the angriest. No, because this was so, this goal was so angry that it was overwhelming for the goal scorer and it actually became... Right, you're right. It actually brought tears of anger slash... Catharsis. Yeah, catharsis. It was a cathartic goal. Yeah, so angry it was cathartic. It was a cleansing force. Yeah. Um, it was in the Champions League semi-final first leg a club that would ultimately go on to win the, cha the, the tournament and who had been 
on the other end of a of a painful defeat to the same side in the same stadium the season before. Right. And to be honest, probably should have should have gone on to win the tournament. Absolutely. Um the winner of the twenty twenty three Stadio Angry Goal of the Year is Kevin De Bruyne against Real Madrid yes. at the Bernabeu. This uh, because it had happened after another potentially angry goal, which was Vinicius Juniors, who should have been nominated actually. In fact, we're nominating him because the fact that this goal happened after that goal in the same game made it even angrier to me. Right, because very much like the retire your Richarlison theory. You know? Yes, it got became even angrier after it was scored. You know, this is the thing about the. Um, it's difficult to know if two angry goals have ever been scored on such a big stage, like in opposition to each other. Rail were kind of up against it. The goal that he scored was kind of against the one to play because Manchester City had asserted a certain superiority in this match. So he cuts into the box, rips it top corner, gorgeous strike. And at that point, there really was a point in this game where I think Chuamene had not been brought on yet and there was a real call for a sub. Basically, I remember thinking in this game about 10, 15 minutes earlier, need to bring a Chuamene now and they don't do it. Kamavinga, for once, is looking a bit out of sorts at left back. And they've really managed to exploit the way that he plays in field. And they clamped, you know, City, they, they sniff out all these weaknesses. So Kamavinga um, gets exposed, ball gets shifted across, cut back to De Bruyne, and the way he rips this from distance. He hits this ball, there's, there's that Thiago goal that everyone talks about, the Champions League group stages. This was hit with similar power. Mm. The way that De Bruyne hits this, he hits it, it's immediately off the ground and then rises very, very slightly at the end of the trajectory and it ends up about, it punches the net. It punches the net about two feet off the ground. And Courtois, you know, one of the best shot stoppers in the world, of his generation, frankly, is, is nowhere close to it. Like, has absolutely no chance, has a good sight of it, and is, is doomed. It's incredible, man. Yeah, unbelievable goal. Unbelievable goal. Congrats, Kevin. Yes, sure, along with the travel, the travel last year, this will, he's completed the quadruple. <laughs> well, the good news for him is there's definitely space on his mantelpiece for this trophy because there isn't a trophy. So, you know. There isn't, exactly. nothing, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the, all of the trophies are NFTs. Absolutely. <laughs> the only thing's worth less than these awards themselves. Absolutely. Anyway, moving on to the, go on. More prestige, more prestige. <laughs> <laughs> We're moving to the business end of the awards. We are. One of the most prestigious. This is genuinely prestigious. This is team of the year. Mm-hmm. Stadio team of the year. And the nominees are extraordinary. So we'll go through them in no particular order. Barcelona for Mane for another all-conquering season. And for laying down the law again because, you know, people are questioning them just like questioned Leon the year before. Have they still got it? Are they really? Yes, they have. <laughs> are they really that outfit? They're like, yeah, we contain multitudes. Mm. Came back in style against Wolfsburg in the Champions League final to really cap a spectacular season and to form the spine of the World Cup winning team. Just an extraordinary side, Barcelona for me. And the only reason, the only thing that concerns me about Barcelona is that we take them for granted. That's really mm. it. Um, yeah. Next up, the Matildas, inspiring a nation. And that sounds like such a cliche, but really no, in terms of no. in yeah. terms of the conversation, the sporting conversation, to be in a country and like, you know, rather like the UK, there's a, you know, there's to an extent a macho sporting culture and to come into that context and capture the hearts of your nation with sporting brilliance, but not only sporting brilliance, but the exuberance 
mm-hmm. and your approach and to show people you can compete in a way that is unique to your to your sport and your style of play. I mean, it's, it's really wonderful what the Matildas did and we just cannot praise them enough. Cannot I mean, the, enough. You, you heard the amount of submissions we had on the Football Things to Be Grateful For episode yeah. on Christmas Day. That World Cup was so impactful and that team was was a large part of that. And to go to the semi-finals as well with all that pressure and lose to to England, you know, that was, I mean, that was, there's no, there's no shame in that whatsoever. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, and then in, within that vein, I have to mention mm. England women's as well. And the reason I mentioned them, some might say, oh, but they didn't win. But here's the point, right? To go that close again, when, when the target is on your back, it's one thing to win, and don't get me wrong, it was extraordinary to win the Euros as they did. To go to a World Cup final with those key injuries as well that everyone knew about, and also with everyone gunning for you, was extraordinary. To go away to a different mm. context, different time zone, all of it, and to do what they did, and to lose by the narrowest of margins to really only one mistake they made in the entire game. Yep. England only really made one mistake in the match, and were punished for it with the match-winning goal. Such are the margins. But England women's have to be in the mix, I think, for a nominee for Team of the Year, because that's that's a dynast- that's a run of dynastic quality, I think, and this is a truly great England team. Yeah, I mean, like they were the best team in Europe, and yeah. they deserved to win the Euros the year before, and I think they played really well against different kinds of opposition, mm. passed every test, and. There's always just a huge amount of pressure on any England team for some reason, because no matter what the level is. That's right. The expectation. Is so high, let alone when they're actually good. So, yeah, man. They were close. Very close. Mm. Let me go again. Next up, Manchester City have to be in the mix because, of course, and winning the treble, their first ever. And really, Pep Guardiola solving all problems in the end. And look, we know mm. the vast resources that City have, but we also know from other clubs with vast resources that having a load of money or even a limitless amount of it doesn't guarantee footballing success. We can look across the city at a sporting experiment where that hasn't been the case. Mm. So Manchester City, with the treble, uh, have to be a nominee. And some of the individual performances of players, Rodri, Bernardo Silva, just spectacular almost throughout Erling the entire Holland. season. Erling Haaland, absolutely. Yeah. Close on the heels. Ilkay Gundogan actually oh, for that yeah, as well. Oh, like, like, oh, was John like, Stones too. John Stones. Yeah. John Stones. Yeah. These are outstanding players. Yeah. So many fine players on that side. Among among uh, in the mix too. Napoli men's Napoli men's mm. winning the first Scudetto, um, bringing that back to Naples the first time in thirty three years, led by Victor Osserman, with his loyal lieutenant creature Quaratskadia, Kim Min Jae. Oh my God, Di Lorenzo, a wonderful player, team captain. Just an absolute delight to watch every single. Like, they ne- were never, amazing. Never miss season. Napoli. Never I, miss Napoli. I just, I think, also as well, there was a lot of stuff kicking off towards the end of last season with the president falling out with the fans and the ultras and Spalletti trying to kind of get in the middle of that and because he knew how much of a chance they had. Yeah, and they just blew so many teams away last yeah. season. You know, the major thing for them, I think, would have been the Champions League quarterfinal. The quarterfinal against Milan was was the low point really because they were going through a bit of a a bit of a dip I think at the time mm. and and they were struggling to hang on till the end of the season and then they got a second wind to to get it over the line but it was one of the really good stories of last season. Some made a good point. One of the um, submissions we got for things to be grateful and they said, "Look, Napoli actually are kind of around 
yeah. fourth to fifth in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And to win yeah. the league at a canter yeah. was so special. Like, you know, that they're, they're, they're about fifth at the moment. That's kind of where they, that's their, that's them. That's the whole point mm. this, this, this uh, listener was making. Like, that's who kind of Napoli are. This is, mm. this is a glorious bonus. And the football they played, honestly, if I have, I have very few footballing regrets. One of them is not just being enabled to soak some of that up at some point in the season. Mm. That was an absolute delight to watch. A couple of other nominees before we before we Musa reads out the winner. Yeah, but um, got Union Berlin. Yeah, obviously hasn't. I mean, I know this is a year long award. This season hasn't been great, but just for their achievement of last year of going into going into the Champions League, it's just was just otherworldly for Merce Fisher, and um, you know, just an amazing achievement. And they were great last season. And they were uh, involved in a top of the table clash in February. I know, I know it was weird. There was that weekend, Christmas, wasn't there, yeah. where like Freiburg or Union could have gone top in like February and it was just like, what, or January, after whenever Christmas. it was. They were in the mix yeah. after Christmas. This is was, extraordinary. Yeah, bizarre. And yeah. also a shout for Aston Villa men as well, because this, in this actual calendar year, they have been lights out. I love actually that. Actually lights out. I love that show. You know, in theory, if you're going to do like actual t- team of the year, the calendar year, Aston Villa men were in a shout for genuinely winning. Absolutely. And I love that. I love that for them. They've been a joy to mm-hmm. watch. Yeah. Yeah. But there's only one winner, as Musa Wakonga is going to tell you. Only one winner, and that winner has to be Spain winning the Women's World Cup. Not just winning it, but winning it under those conditions, and I, which I hate to mention because we know the Rubiales story dominates so much. But for Spain to come through all of that, to have but players... Also the stuff that had been going back. Going back for, for years. With Vilda as players well. on strike yeah. as well, and players not taking part, and players going along, and all the divisions that would have caused and the tensions, but they still came through. And ultimately still it is a legacy win for them because people are going to forget the names of the clowns that try to impede them or claim it for themselves. And they will remember ultimately the names, these brilliant players and the fine performances, I think. And that I think is, is the greatest tribute. And it was so important they won, I think, because rather like when Barcelona's men swept everyone before them in you know, sort of the late 2000s, it felt like the national title was the crowning glory and the legacy piece for the, for the country as a whole. I'm really glad the Spain women's team got this as their crowning glory. I'm really glad so many players who took Barcelona to those heights also got their international stage. I'm just really sad for those like Mappy Leon who didn't, but I'm delighted for those who did. And a wonderful, wonderful football team. Couldn't agree more, man. Our team of the year. They... Yeah. And thoroughly deserving to, like you say, to win it the way that they won it, and also to do it in the conditions that they did it in. The principles of the team of the players that you mentioned who who didn't go and you know sacrificed a World Cup, yeah, yeah, for what they saw was the bigger cause. Just amazing, amazing team. I think they thoroughly deserve it. So congratulations, Spain. Stadio twenty twenty three team of the year. Yes. All right, Coach of the Year time. Goodness me. Some nominees. And I think we can actually whiz through the nominees because we don't really, they, they, we've kind of mentioned them a little bit and they yeah. speak for themselves. Pep Guardiola. Because you win a treble, you've got to be in the nominees. Absolutely. Those are the rules. Those are the rules. And also Pep really figured out a problem last season. Mm. You know, City weren't firing. You know, they had Holland in the mix. They were struggling to figure out a system. He figures it out. Stones goes up into midfield. All of a sudden, they're absolutely flying. And just the thing that Pep does that, that makes him 
still, no matter what club he's at, no matter what resources they have, no matter anything like that, Pep is a difference maker because he thinks in a way that so many other people just don't think. Well, he actually, what he does, he thinks, this is something I've, I can't remember who, someone might have mentioned this or maybe I'll just come up with it myself. I don't know. <laughs> it, almost, it almost feels too clever to be something that I came up with. <laughs> but he, he doesn't actually think like no one else. He thinks like everyone else, but in one person, which yeah. is the, what makes him the difference. Do you know what I mean? Um, so he's got to be in there. Serena Vickman obviously has to be in there. Going back to back in major tournaments, going back to back to back to back, if you include the Netherlands as well before the uh, before the Euros, then almost winning it against Spain. Extraordinary. Just yeah. the levels of Serena Wiegmann. She is such a perennial nominee. Yeah. Just has to be in there. Uh, Urs Fischer. Now we know it ended badly, and that some might say, "Well, why does he have to go in because of that?" But to take. Uh, Union to the Bundesliga to then take them to the Conference League to then take them well first of all keep them up right. then take them to the Conference League then take them to the Europa League then take them to the Champions League staggering staggering we've we talked about this but he's going to he's going to get a good job somewhere else because he's a very very good coach he's extraordinary very yeah. very good coach yeah. indeed yeah. Emma Hayes has to be in for a shout because Emma Hayes won the title again with Chelsea last year and um, she's just, uh, she's almost just like an all-time, she's always going to be nominated, I think, right. just because she's uh, just one of the best coaches around. To take Chelsea in the run, she's taken them on some point at their resources and the quality, but look, there's four other clubs in the mix. There's four clubs in the mix, really, each year. You've got obviously United and City, you've got Arsenal mm -hmm. and Chelsea. And to emerge ahead of that pack each year, year after year, is, look, very few other coaches could do that. Mm -hmm. And to keep adapting to evolving problems, really, really special Emma Hayes. So yeah, it has to be in the mix. It has to be in the mix. Again, again, there's, I think there's, again, a risk of um, a coach who's just so good at what they do for so long that we take that for granted. Mm. But not here on Stadio. Nope. Uh, someone we do we definitely do not take for granted on Stadio is Imanol. Yes. One of our favourite coaches on Stadio. Yep. Won the Copa del Rey a couple of years ago, a few years ago actually, with Real Sociedad. Played for Real Sociedad through his youth career. Played for Real Sociedad B. Played for Real Sociedad uh, senior team. Went back. Coached the youth team. Coached the B team. Got the big gig. Started a load of players that he also coached at the youth team, which is just just the best thing and then took them to the Champions League and they right. finished top of their Champions League group. Playing spectacular football. They are a joy. They've been, a, they've been a delight for watch for just years and he yep. is such a huge part of that. Yep. Uh, and the final nominee before we get on to the winner yeah. is uh, someone who is also born just down the road. Uh. Uh, Unai Emery. He has to be in there. He's an amazing coach. He's done an amazing job at Villa. You know, the turnaround at Villa has been incredible right. under him. And the joy that he has brought that fan base. I mean, we know a few Villa fans. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever seen them that happy. Ever. No, me neither. Me neither. Like, literally ever, actually. Their league position in the Premier League speaks for itself. I don't know what the season is going to going to hold for them but if they finish in the Champions League spots 
I think you'd be hard pressed. No matter who wins the league, I think you'd be hard pressed to. To no, unless, 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 literally, unless Everton go on a tear and win the Premier League, having had the ten points deduction, right? That's the only thing that I think would stop Unai Emery from winning coach, like Premier League Manager of the Year. That's absolutely right. Can I say this as well? They get into the Champions League. You are going to hate playing them. That is. Do you know what though? Horrible. I actually think that will be if they do get in the Champions League. I think that's when that's when the, it turns, because the only thing. I, we kind of love the comedic element of Emmy Martinez. Can you imagine Emmy Martinez in the Champions League? Oh my goodness. For Villa. <laughs> <laughs> kind of love it for him. He's going to be unbearable to play against. He will unbearable. be. Unbearable. And one thing's for sure, he, won't, you know he what? won't be afraid of it. He won't be afraid of it. He won't give a single shit. No, 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 no. In fact, the, the person who will probably like that the least is Neil Mopai. <laughs> However, there can be... One coach of the year and the award for the 2023 Stadio coach of the year is Mr. Luciano Spalletti. Yes. For reasons Musa Okwongo mentioned in the previous category, for bringing the Scudetto to Naples for the first time in 33 years and then doing the most baller thing that what that all, to be honest, more managers need to take note. Just being like, I'm gone. I'm Audi. This isn't going to get any better. I am out. You, just you don't need me anymore. We've done what we needed to do. And he goes and takes the Italy gig. And he take, he's taking him to the Euros. Incredible. Incredible. Like, honestly, Spalletti, the football he played, um, he got and played at Napoli, was the culmination of his brilliant work in Serie A. And, for years before that, he'd been a coach you'd always tune in to watch, but he'd never mm. got the big prize. Similar to Ranieri, actually, where mm. there was this kind of narrative that he was an also-ran. Maybe the same thing was around Sarri, too. You know, a lot of these elite coaches, they don't win a huge prize and people malign them a bit for it. So I'm so glad he got his moment and, and the way he got his moment. They'll be re-watching that Napoli DVD, not for those who still watch DVDs, for many years to come. Many congratulations, Luciano. So we now come to the last two awards. Yeah. The penultimate, the Stadio Player of the Year, Player of the Calendar Year. And the nominees are it's a lengthy list of uh, illustrious names. Mappy Leon, Mappy Leon of Barcelona, the supreme centre-back, the leader on and off the field. Not only spectacular for Barcelona in their run to a double of league and UEFA Champions League, but also inspirational as a leader off the field in solidarity with the Spain players that did go into the tournament and play. And what was amazing was the unshakable solidarity of those players who went along to the tournament. Um, she was a conscientious objector to going along and playing, um, but that didn't lessen her support for the side that went to Australia was victorious. So Mapoleon gets a big shout. Victor Osimhen, the spearhead of the Napoli attack and the Napoli team, the soul of that team. You really saw how he impacted them with his absence through injury for the quarterfinal first leg against AC Milan. Without him, or with him, it would have been very different, I think, that night. Mm. But he was wonderful, the top scorer, um, and who followed wonderfully in the first steps of George Weah. I think he's the first, yeah, well, like him, him and Samuel Eto'o, African strikers you can point at, who really are worthy of being mentioned in the same breath as George Weah in, in Italy. And those who know mm. what Big George did, King George did, 
that, that's the highest praise. Following them, just a couple more to throw in, Sam Kerr for her performance, not only with the Matildas, but also in the domestic league for Chelsea. There was a conversation about Sam Kerr when she first arrived, and it's, I feel even, I shouldn't even mention it, but I'll talk about it. Sam Kerr not being decisive in huge matches, all the rest of it, not being, or being decisive, but needing multiple chances to do it. The Sam Kerr we see now is the height of efficiency. You talk about a player who was absolutely locked in as a forward, who was a threat on her day for absolutely anywhere in the, in, the, in the opponent half. Sam Kerr, nominee for player of the year. Hard on her heels. Mary Earps. And let's talk about Mary Earps actually, Ryan, because not only her performance in the World Cup, but in terms of the inspiration, mm. I feel like her, I feel like Mary Earps has shifted the needle for a player in her position, maybe more than any other in the calendar year. What would you say? What would you? She is almost like the perfect kind of goalkeeper. Goalkeepers are going to make errors, right? Mm. And I think the thing about Mary Earps is that when she makes errors, it's 100% back into the belief Right after. Right, right. That's such an incredible mentality to have. I think she's, she is, you know, to quote her, a cloppism, a mentality monster. Right. And she's so intimidating as a goalkeeper. And I think the great goalkeepers have great auras about them. And Mary Earps has one, 100%. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not easy being the England number one. It could be a heavy shirt to wear. And you think of the actual people of the auditions for that role, the England women Mm. actually over the years. Yeah. And the type of talent, and they haven't, not to name names because we don't need that, but you look at the talent and the expectations on those people and who's been offered the mantle and who hasn't really grasped it. Mm. And she is someone who has incredible energy, actually. You know, you look at the great goalkeepers and they have the aura of strikers. Mm. When Peter Schmeichel was dominant, he had the aura of an Eric Cantona. And that is a, it's an extremely rare thing. You look at Mary Earps, and we mentioned her back to back with Sam Kerr. Mary Epps is the Sam Kerr of goalkeeping. Sam Kerr is the Mary Epps mm. of striking. And I think that's the highest compliment you can give. A goalkeeper who is, despite being confined to your goal, has the aura of player who moves around the field. Erling Haaland absolutely has to be a nominee this year. A record-breaking, record-setting season for Manchester City, including five goals in a Champions League game against RB Leipzig, whom he always seems to reserve his best performances for. He was spectacular and just gave City a dimension that I think their opponents were frightened that he'd give them. And the speed at which he adapted to City was extremely impressive. Rodri, a player who you notice, funnily enough, look, there could have been about five City nominees, to be honest, but Rodri and Erling Haaland make it. Rodri is remarkable because he was actually even more noticeable by his absence than by his presence mm. until he started yeah. scoring bangers from distance. And then he was, he was almost like, witness me. Yeah. I think he took a look at Tony Cruz's career and was like, Tony, I love what you've done, but I need a few more bangers because I don't want any of these people (laughs) to say I was under the radar. And Rodri stepped up in a big way, not only defensively, but with some vital goals and has a superb strike from distance. We saw that Mm. the last couple of years at crucial parts of the season. So yeah, Rodri's in the mix. And Penultimate nominee, I'll allow Ryan to read out the winner because otherwise I don't want to hug the strike too much. No, Jude. this is you. Oh, okay, you've got okay. to read the, you've, okay. you're, you're doing it's, this one. That's okay. Um, penultimate nominee, who hasn't actually won a trophy this year, but who we had to mention because their influence over this year has been remarkable. 
Jude Bellingham. Won the Golden Boy. That's true, but like a team award, a team award, yeah. Mm. yeah. Hasn't won a team award this year. That may be coming soon. We'll see. Jude Bellingham for Real Madrid and for Borussia Dortmund. Some injury issues for Dortmund in the later stage in the run into the, um, the Bundesliga title, which I think certainly didn't help the title hopes. Tried to do too much, I think, as well. Absolutely. That's not a problem he has at Real Madrid because there's uh, a much better and more equitable sharing of the load at Real Madrid. I have never seen a young player go into a club of this size and perform like this. Mm. He dominates. He dominates Real Madrid. He is the face, he is the spirit, he is the soul of Real Madrid. And looking around that dressing room and the other players in there who won multiple Champions Leagues, quite a few of them, that is an extraordinary feat. So he has mm. to be mentioned. If you're mentioning top midfielders in the world, not young midfielders, but top midfielders, top players, Bellingham's there. But the winner, the player of the year, has to be a player who was, in my opinion, underrated, overshadowed by others in her team the last couple of years, but has really pushed through and become impossible to ignore. Aitana Bonmati. Lights out. Brilliant. Week in, week out. Any tournament, any condition, any opponent. Just the, the magician, as I've called her, like, for a while now. The magician. Completely unfuckwithable. A spectacular season. Yeah. Yeah. An incredible player who always was, not always, but kind of felt like a little bit in the shadow of Alexia Puteas. Yes. I think with Puteas' injury this season, last season and her not being fully, 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 fully ready for the World Cup, mm. you know, she played a bit more of um, a supporting role actually in the tournament, yes. Puteas. But Matty, even though Olga captain the side, well, Matty was basically like a second captain. The match control. Yeah. And just bossed midfields. As bossed midfields, basically low-key for as long as she's been wearing a Barcelona shirt. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And managed, to, and managed to kind of go through quite stealthily because of the attention that Puteas attracted. But then we've seen numerous times when when the attention gets shifted to players and they're used to playing not second fiddle, but playing, you know, not getting the full attention of opposition. When that happens, so many players can't deal with that. Right. And Bonmati just Loved dealt with it. it. Invited pressure. In, yeah. Turned, well, literally <laughs> turned the midfield into a bear trap. A bear yeah. trap. And set the invitation was so, was so clever actually because some midfielders a classic example of a player who uses their relative lack of size against the opponent. Mm. So people look in field, ooh, if I just get past Bon Matty, mm. if I cut into that space, I'm gone. And we saw it happen mm. to England, unfortunately, in the World Cup final. Oh, let's go to midfield. What's the worst that can happen? The way is shut, though. The way is shut. It's always shut. Because her, her first step, her body positioning, her shielding, defensively extremely strong, very smart, combined so mm. well can score the team goal, can score the individual goal, can score from distance, can close, can score from six yards. You talk about a complete midfielder. Just, and, and again, I, the tempo, someone that can just run a game. The moment England went a goal down in that World Cup final, you're like, this, this has all the energy potentially of a 1-0 thrashing because mm -hmm. you will be chasing the entire game. And it's just, I don't know, man, this is a culmination. The only sad, the sadness that England lost the only positive is that she got her moment. Yeah. She got her moment as the primary player for Barcelona and Spain. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Our full, of the year. fully deserved. Full credit. The final award of the evening. My goodness. <laughs> oh, it's, the time has flown by. And uh, I'd like to thank everyone in the audience. You've been great. Most of you. Most of you have been great. We have four nominees. In addition to the eventual winner of this award, it's the, it's the main event of the evening. It's the final event of the evening. It is the 2023 Stadio Catfish of the Year Award. Previous winners were Everton, I think. <laughs> Everton, yes. <laughs> Gianni Infantino. Infantino. The, 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 only, the only person to have won the award outright as an individual, as opposed to a team or an institution, which is a truly special honour. I can't remember who won 2022. That's the ultimate catfish. Oh, it wasn't the, it was the Super League. It was the Super League. <laughs> the European, the European Super, Super League. League. <laughs> Ever, I think Everton uh, and Gianni Infantino. So we've got the fourth, the fourth, the fourth edition. Of it. Um, I'd like to read the nominations out. The nominees, if that's okay, Musa. Please do, please do. The first nominee for the catfish of the 2023 Catfish of the Year Award is Sheikh Jassim bin Hamed Al Thani's bid for <laughs> Manchester United. <laughs> because I don't think it was ever real. <laughs> I refuse to believe. I don't think real. that was real. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it was real. No one seems to know this person. I just feel like I saw this, I just thought. You can't, but also just looking at the bid, I thought, you can't be serious. You don't want these problems. No, no, no. You don't, you don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nope. Nope. Listen, no amount of sports washing could clean that club up. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Couldn't do it, man. You know, nation states owning football clubs is not something we love. But we were like, well, yeah, you know, Manchester United do need a new ownership. But it was almost like, it's the first time that I've seen, you know, the kind of quote unquote, definitely not Qatar or definitely not an, a sovereign nation, definitely an individual in quotation marks t- making a bid for a football club that I don't even think he probably wanted. <laughs> Ryan, you're too, you're too chaotic for a country to buy you. <laughs> you're too chaotic for a country to buy you. One of the biggest clubs in the world, one of the biggest footballing brands in the world, a club that essentially trailblazed the move into the, the modern era in terms of marketing yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And football heritage, in the words of Jose Mourinho. It's got the lot. And it, even they were just like... Mm. <laughs> To be fair, even Jim Ratcliffe was just like, no, 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 no. I ain't giving you the full amount. I'll t- how about I take 25% and I'll run everything? <laughs> what, the f- what the hell? Incredible, incredible, incredible. Anyway, it's not the winner. Uh, not the winner. Neither is this, which is the second nominee. Juventus' points deduction. <laughs> so Juventus' 15-point deduction then that was overturned. Then it went back to 10. But I'm like, are you actually going to punish this club for anything? <laughs> One of the few times where I felt genuine sympathy for Jose Mourinho. <laughs> he was just like, I just need to know what we need to do. Right? <laughs> for people who weren't plugged into it, right? Right. Just imagine. People who weren't plugged in or, you know, didn't know that Juventus had a points deduction or whatever must have been checking. <laughs> imagine if they were just, just casual being like, oh, I'm just going to check what's going on in Italy. Like, Hang on a minute. Juventus is Tenth? So weird. Oh, so weird. The week after. The third. 
oh no, the seventh again. It's like, how is this working? What is happening? Do you know what it was like? You know, in Berlin during the co- during COVID, yeah, when they were like, oh, by the way, um, because there was only a bit less money, we'll give you like a rebate on your rent. So we'll like cut a hundred, couple hundred euros off your rent per month. And people were like, well, yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, well, you've got well. to pay it all back now because yes. they went to court and <laughs> in a lump sum, in a lump sum. It's like <sighs> that. It's like that. It was. Do you know what? That is totally it. What exactly was it called? What it was. Um, the meat and deckle. The meat and deckle. That right, was it. The right. meat and deckle. Never trusted it. Never I trusted never trusted it, it I at knew, all. I, I knew. never ah, trusted ah, that. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, let's say you rent 700 a month. Oh, it's only going to be 350 for the next few months. People are like, yeah. well, yay, I've got extra money. And I remember thinking, mm, I don't trust it. <laughs> the Berlin rental market basically had the UVA points deduction. They basically got catfished. There's a, there's a word, there's a thing in Berlin, there's another German word. The, the Wunschlüge, the desirable lie. That yep. was it was. There was a thing. I was like, that's a desirable lie. That's a thing you want to be true, but it's not true. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. Massive catfish. Huge catfish. Um, another big catfish. Uh, is Premier League VAR. Yes, yes, yes. Because. Oof. We could put the handball rule there, to be honest, in its own category, just because. I no longer know what's happening. I can't tell you now when I look at a thing. I can't, when I look at a handball, I can't tell you what the outcome's going to be. Well, I think this is the thing about Premier League VAR. And I, we've noticed we've highlighted the Premier League and not other yes. leagues. Because I don't think... Right. So... I, I don't... I don't <laughs> I'm so sorry for doing this, right? Mm. But you know when we got told that everything was going to be better after Brexit? Yes. <laughs> And actually they were like, no, 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 seriously. No, 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 seriously. It's going to be like, seriously, seriously. And basically all it is, it's just, it's just a load of, it's an, it's just a load of chaos on an island. Like I imagine actually people, you know, maybe on a cruise or something like that, going through the English Channel, going up through the North Sea and just looking at England in particular and just being like, huh? And just, they're just being this like, you know when you know when like a party boat goes by and there's just this this muffled chaotic atmosphere. Yes. And you can't pinpoint anything specific. You just know even from half a mile away you're like whatever's happening on that boat it's chaotic. <laughs> right? <laughs> Basically that's what that's what I imagine Stockley Park to be like. I imagine Stockley Park to just be like People just pressing buttons. The Premier League party boat. They just will not believe that their way is not working. To the point where now they've just kind of stopped giving anything. The amount of stuff that has gone, honestly, Musa, it is bending my fucking brain, right? And I, I, I'm going to use this to go on a rant, right? <laughs> go for it, go the for it. The amount of decisions that I've seen, particularly this season, where genuinely I've sat there after decisions made for, and we haven't, we tend to stay away from VAR a lot because it's kind of like, it's so fucking ridiculous. There is really no point in talking about it because it's just like, it's like yelling at a cloud, right? It's not going right, to, right. nothing is going to change. The amount of times a season where I've genuinely been like, I don't think I'm, I don't think I know this sport. Actually, I don't think I know enough about this sport to do a po- football podcast on it because I see a review and I'm like, oh, they're going to give that. And they don't. The only like, reason why I'm not more harsh on VAR is because for all the mistakes VAR has made, I'm still not convinced as an adult I've made better decisions in my life than VAR makes <laughs> matches. When I saw that thing, when I first saw, oh, this goal 
should have been allowed because of significant human error. My first thought was, yeah, I can relate to that. So, yes, well, like, <laughs> the three <laughs> words that Musa can relate to more than any other significant human, human error. error. I thought, I thought actually, yeah, that's, that's for, in the chat, you know, the, the writer's house chat, you know, everyone's, everyone's normally like, oh, right, and I'm quite subdued because I'm like, yeah, this is actually quite relatable. Just, I hate, could, I hate this kind of dunking on referees thing, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. referees have such a difficult job and I feel like, yeah, you have to caveat that. But the thing is, they've got multiple angles, multiple cameras and a load of dudes in an office mm. able to redo decisions or like, you know, correct decisions. And some of the stuff that gets checked and just doesn't happen or does get given, I'm like, I literally have no fucking clue what is going on yeah, anymore. absolutely. Much like Brexit, everyone's just kind of been like, well, this is just the way it is now. It's just worse. Yeah. What are we doing to the Premier League? I mean, but yeah, but all empires crumble from within, don't they? So yeah, no change there. No change there. Just, oh, I don't know. I, I felt like I had to get that out. No good, no good. It's Listen. been, I just don't, I don't know what means. I don't know what to do anymore. Speak your I truth. don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> just honestly. Look what you're doing to me. Uh, anyway, final nominee before we go into the winner. You all thought you got away with it. You didn't. You'll never get away with it. The final nominee for Catfish of the Year 2023 is Everton Men because are you going to go down or not? Make your fucking mind up. <laughs> you thought you all get away with it. You thought you'd get away with it. We knew that you weren't going to go down last season. We were dashed up. We were absolutely dashed up. A number of Everton fans that we know were a little bit concerned about my just outright borderline rude dismissal of their concerns when they were saying like, oh, I'm a bit worried about Evan. I was just like, no, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, man. Like, <laughs> and then the points deduction hit. And I said, don't worry about it. They'll be fine. Which is kind of what Daesh has done. And they're fine. Yeah. Just a good team. Good team getting But we points. just thought we have to throw in there because even with, the, listen, even with, <laughs> even with the 10 point deduction, you can't send them down. You can't. Can't send them down. However. We come to it at last. The great trophy of our time. We talked about this a lot, didn't we? We did. We did. And uh, this year's winner of Catfish of the Year isn't an individual. It's not a team. It's not a club. It's not a competition. <laughs> For the first time. <laughs> I'd say, I don't know if it, is it a feeling? It's a philosophy. It's, it's a, a philosophy. philosophy. <laughs> I'm just going to read you something. <laughs> I'm a really young manager, Musa. I've been in this job three and a half years and I have a few regrets with what I've done. One of them was that in two occasions, I felt, after 60 minutes and 85 minutes in two games in this period to change the keeper in that moment. But I didn't do it. I didn't have the courage to do it. But I'm able to take a winger off, a striker off, or put a central defender on to drop to a back five and hold that result. We drew those games and I was so unhappy. Someone is going to do it. And maybe it will be, <gasps> that's strange. Why? Why not? We all have the qualities in, other goal, in another goalkeeper to do something when something is happening and you want to change the momentum, do it. 
<laughs> the winner of the Stadio Catfish of the Year Award 2023 is Mikel Arteta's two goalkeeper philosophy. <laughs> And do you know why it's the catfish of the year? It's absurd. It's abs- it because, was- <laughs> because I 100% bought it. I 100% <laughs> believed. I was like, do you know what? Why not, actually? This could be really good. Two great goalkeepers. Why hasn't, actually, do you know what? Why hasn't anyone changed that? Do you know what? Because it's bad vibes. It's utterly it, bad vibes. It's terrible. It's terrible. And do you know what? I'm ashamed of myself that I believed it. I'm ashamed. I got three. I got catfished <laughs> by by Michael Arteta's two goalkeeper philosophy, and that is why it's the catfish of the year. He had done so well at selling it. Such a brilliant season previously. Mm. I never. I'm on the record. I never liked it. I never liked it. I don't think. Look, can be honest with you. Still don't think they need a new goalkeeper, in my opinion. I think that the leadership that Ramsdale gave Arsenal, just in specific terms, then get to the wider philosophy in a moment. Mm. The leadership that Ramsdale gave Arsenal, the responsibility he took on that late run, right? Like Ramsdale, but for a couple of better decisions by his teammates, Arsenal could well have been title winners and he would have been an integral part of that. And that's just not how you treat someone who has taken to that height. And I, I can look, I get it. The Arteta thing isn't about personality. It's about marginal gains. It's about where can we get 5% better here, 10% there. But the destabilization, the destabilization of changing your goalkeeper mid-game or whatever, you see the chemistry. It's, there, is some, you know, there are some cliches in football, and I get it. Like Players like, so coaches like Pep, coaches like Arteta, they're all about challenging orthodoxy. I get it, but even Pep, even Pep, even Wild, even Pep was a little bit like <laughs> even even <laughs> Pep. And we've, this man's done. Every, this is a man, Pep. This is a man that's lined up without fullbacks, without strikers, yep. <laughs> arguably without midfielders. This is Pep's done everything. I mean, he basically turned Manuel Neuer into a non-goalkeeper, yeah, a non-keeper, a non-keeper. This is a man that has fielded no goalkeepers. And he's like, I wouldn't feel too. <laughs> when something is too wild for Bielsa, when even Bielsa hasn't done it, you're like, maybe we should reconsider this. Do you know what it would have been like? It would have been uh, if we'd seen all the Andre 3000 interviews before the album came out. Yeah. And actually the album was just like, ah! that was it. <laughs> a single Basically, note. Just... <laughs> or, it was just like really bad recorder vibes. A recorder. You know, like those, like those memes, just like. <laughs> I mean, like, what the hell, man? This is Andre 3000. Why is this happening? <laughs> That's basically. Because <laughs> you and I were talking about the Andre 3000 album. I was like, dude, this sounds fucking amazing. It's incredible. Right? Yeah, it's incredible. Like, at first, you know, you, you're kind of like, oh, I want Andre 3000 to rap. And then you hear him talk about it. You're like, oh, I actually let the guy do his thing. He's a creative genius. But he delivered. Yeah. You hear right? the record. You're like, that's spectacular. Yeah. I get it. I would have just rather, I hadn't gone through that little journey of being like, hey, why are we signing David Raya? Like, I love Aaron Ramsdale. I want him to be the number one. And then hearing Mikel Arteta talk about it and be like, 
oh, actually, that's kind of, I kind of like that in theory. Do you know what? Like, I'm on board. And then literally all that has happened since, no matter who plays, is people talk about the goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't make any sense for both of them. No. And it's a completely self-inflicted thing, right? And it's completely predictable. Arsenal are doing well this season. Yes. You know, they've shored up at the back. They conceded fewer goals. They're very defensively solid. But it was unnecessary noise. <laughs> completely right? unnecessary. And... I don't think, I don't know, I get a vibe that it wasn't a massively like popular one in the dressing room either. Um, and the fact is that like Aaron Ramsdale hasn't even like been in for Champions League games. You know, it was like, and, and you can tell that every time that Aaron Ramsdale plays now, there's pressure on him to perform. And actually that's not, you're not a, you're not a wide forward. You can't just do a load of tricks and flicks or score a worldie mm. with relatively low s- stakes a really good impressive performance for you actually needs the team to be bad because you get more action, right? Mm. And it's just uncomfortable. And I, and I think also just from a personal point of view, someone who I, I, I really love Aaron Ramsdale as a footballer and I've, and I, I love the kind of, you know, I love to that player's tribune essay that he did and he just seems like a really good dude, you know? And I know that football is, you know, you've got to be ruthless and all this kind of stuff. But I think some managers just lean into that for the sake of doing that. And I think <sighs> when it gets you so far, do you know what it is? If you think of Arteta and his arc, it makes sense he'll have one of these moments every couple of seasons mm. because it, all of his decisions are bold. Yeah. It's just that this is just a particular, we just noticed this one, but swapping Granite Shaka for um, Kai Harvitz is bold. It's really bold, like, to do that, to take a player who has gone yeah. on that journey. But, you know, the thing is, Granit Xhaka, regardless of how he was playing, he always had conspicuous toil. You were always reassured by the fact he was thundering into challenges. To make Martin Odegaard your captain at 24 mm. is extremely bold. I don't care how mature he is. That's a very bold thing to do, right? To bring in Jorginho from Chelsea, like, to not have a conventional nine, to have Gabriel Jesus in instead. And, to buy players, people regarded as Man City's cast-offs. They weren't, in my opinion, but people would have had that perception. Every position that Arteta has had a player in, he's made a bold shout. Like Tommy Asu, even. It's extremely mm-hmm. bold buying him. Buying Ramsdale, even, for, from Sheffield United, a relegated team. So everything that Arteta has done is brave. And actually, I think, it, the funny thing, if you said to him, Mikel, that's the boldest thing you've done, that's the most, he said, actually, relative to their position, this was a conservative choice. I just think this is what happens when a manager is constantly taking risks. I mean, look at Pep, look at the risks Pep's taken. Look at, look at the uh, Champions League semi-final against Real Madrid when they get done 4-0 on the first leg. Or look at when he bought Fabregas and had to play a three, played a 3-4-3, played a 3-3-4, put Rakitic in centre mid and made the man run everywhere and ran his knees into the ground. And, you know, because the thing is, when you're a front runner, you're always having to push things nine out of 10 times people go with you and be like, that makes sense. But one out of times, 10 times you will get it wrong and the failure will be spectacular. But all those managers will tell you, yeah, unfortunately that's the cost of like, like, like this, you know what this is? This is like his Juan Veron moment when we bought Juan Veron with that incredible midfield and Ferguson bought Veron to use him as a second striker, but played him alongside Keenan midfield. And Evan United fans were like, we were already good. And Ferguson was like, yeah, but we're not going to be good in three years. What happens in 2008? United win a Champions League without a number nine. 
We evolved from Ruth Van Nistelrooy in 2003 to a strikerless team. And that's what we had to go through. So whatever Arteta comes through at this point, whether this experiment works, his thinking is, yeah, but to get where we needed to go, we had to risk this, this failure, this catfish. And this is the thing. So, so basically, like, from an actual, it might work. It might be fine. That, that's not the issue. That is not the reason that this is... This, it's, but oh, it still is the catfish not, of the year. But that's not the nomination. The nomination Absolutely. and the awarding is the fact that we got sold on this. There like, it is. There it is. It's two goalkeepers. We're going to swap them in and Bingo. out. They're basically going to... Blah, blah, blah. This, this, this tactical evolution, whereas actually it's just been noise and mess. We and got sold. And like, exactly like we got sold on Varane, who I love as a footballer. Yeah. I'm, I'm angry that I drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> you know, I'm laughing. I'm laughing because of course at United we had this same thing and like, you can't catch me this time. You no. can't catch me. I'm so annoyed at myself, man, because I don't... <sighs> you're normally you're normally the calm one with these I'm things. I'm normally... Uh, I know, and I, Ian and I talked about it. I think I'll write this out kind of like, the words that you're saying kind of make sense. <laughs> why hasn't anyone done this before? Because <laughs> it doesn't work. That's why. It doesn't work. We've all fallen prey to expectation. Um, so don't worry, you're not alone in that. I mean, I got you to do this podcast. <laughs> So anyway, can, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, Mikel's going to hate the, f- I don't know, he won't care. He, he's, he doesn't care. What no, he's like, he doesn't care. Yeah. dweebs think. Um, he if hasn't I do come meet, this far. If, I, if yeah. I ever do, if I ever do meet him properly, I'll, I'll tell him. But he hasn't come this far by caring about noise. Anyway, uh, I would say congratulations, but I think congratulations to everyone on this award, because yes. I feel like we've all had to endure it for the last few months. So I reckon that wraps it. It does wrap it. That does us. Another delightful year with our listeners. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you for listening through this episode. I hope you've got your own favourite nominees as well. Uh, I'm sure you've got a wonderful list yourselves, wherever you are. And actually, why do they mention so-and-so for catfish? That's a catfish. Um, always lovely to hear from you. So if you do have your alternative list of nominees. No, 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 no. <laughs> always lovely to hear from you, apart from on this instance. Leave us alone. We're off until 2024. <laughs> You've I lo- got- love you. I love you all, but leave us the fuck alone. Any negative comments, please send them to at Ryan at Ogwonka, because he's currently <laughs> locked out of Twitter and he can't get in. So, <laughs> uh, no. In all seriousness, we 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 love that we get emails from you all. Yeah, and we love being in contact with you all. But don't take this seriously enough to send us a load of no, suggestions no, on who should have won the yeah. award. <laughs> But echoing what Musa said, thank you so much, everyone, for reaching out this year, for recommending the podcast, for, I don't know, just uh, hanging with us for this year. Um, we know that there are lots of football podcasts out there. Yeah. And uh, we feel very, very lucky to, to have you all with us twice a week. And yeah, looking forward to more of it in 2024, I suppose, huh? Very much so. Very much so. Thanks for your time with us. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, we're going to leave you for this year. We're going to do that classic dad joke of see you next year, everyone. <laughs> All right. God. Yeah. See you next year. All right. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget to check the Stadio Outro's place on Spotify. If you need a little bit of music to tide you over for the, for the new year. Um, our final tune of the year. It seems quite apt because we're exiting the year and we're entering a new one. We're going to play out on Wendell Harrison. A tune called No Turning Back. 
anything you would like to add, Musa Ogwanga, for one final time? Absolutely not. I'm looking forward, my man. I'm not turning back. Absolutely not. I'm moving forward. I'm moving. I'm going. See you in 2024, gang. Much love, everyone. Have a great new year. See you in 2024, everyone. And remember, two goalkeepers is one too many. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.